0: Welcome to eChat. I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight and we are excited about our special guest. This is a great time whenever we are seeing more and more churches get back into having service. Here in Florida, of course, we have been given the green light uh, to have service. We had three services this morning, and God blessed it. But we know that in many parts of the country it's much different. So, regardless of where you are joining us from tonight. We are praying that you are well and that you are safe and that God His hand upon you and your family. We're so glad for all of you that are joining us tonight. I'm excited about our special guest. We have with us uh, from New York, Reverend Lee Stone King. Brother Stone King has been an evangelist for many, many years and has been very influential on many young ministers operating in the gifts of the spirit uh, in faith and mighty crusades and revivals and uh, <coughs> not that long ago spoke at the United Nations General Assembly and was such a tremendous blessing and Brother Stone King we are so excited that you are with us tonight on eChat and we welcome you.
1: Thank you so much it's a pleasure to be with you Brother Myers and I'm excited to do this and to answer questions or tell you some of the things that I'm beginning to feel in the spirit in this hour We're living at the end of the age. We're living in the last dispensation. And uh, there are several things I can say about that. But with the coronavirus, in the county I live in alone, there are over 155 cases of the coronavirus right here in Saratoga County. There are over 25,000 cases in New York City. And the New Yorkers are beginning to move upstate to escape it which means they will carry it with them. So we are basically quarantined. Uh, We cannot go any place. Uh, We cannot have company. Uh, We have to stay uh, six feet away from everyone in the grocery stores. Everyone here wears mask. And um, I carry uh, rubbing alcohol in a spray bottle in my car. So when I've been in the grocery store and picked up packages or whatever, uh, as soon as i get in the car i spray my hands with rubbing alcohol and then i rub the steering wheel that disinfects everything and when you pump gas we know in for a fact that the coronavirus can live on that metal gla- uh, handle uh, brass handle or metal handle for up to 17 days before it dies if it dies so we're living in a war zone we're actually living in a war and the war is um it's, it's, it's one of the most violent things that I've ever seen. I was a child in World War II. I remember living on a farm in Iowa. We had our own cow. We had our own chickens. My mother, we had a big garden. She canned and baked bread. So we had our own milk. We had our own eggs. We had everything we needed as far as food was concerned. But there were places we couldn't go and there were things we couldn't do. We survived that. I remember those things as a child. And then the polio epidemic came, and then we were quarantined again. My sister and I, we couldn't go down to the well where we watered the cattle and play. We couldn't do this, we couldn't do that. It was just an unbelievable situation, but we survived it. And then we had the Ebola, and then we had the SARS virus, but now, We've got this Corona virus. This is a killer. It's nothing to deal with. We are at war and the enemy is unseen, but the enemy is China. We know from top legalists and people in high places, not a bunch of wannabes, but people who really know what's going on to tell us this thing was created and released into the world by China itself. They want to become the superpower of the world. They really want to break our economy. But what they don't understand and know is that America is based on, in God we trust. China's government is a Chinese, ruthless, communist dictatorship. They have murdered millions of Christians through the years. And I've done some study on this. I know what they've done. You know, what's interesting about all of this, God is the great scorekeeper. He sits in the heavens and he takes note, and the thing has a way of turning around. Now their people are dying by the thousands. I am so grateful tonight, today, that I know what I know about God. I know what I know about his word, that we know him personally. This nation, in God we trust, is our motto. God is with us, and we will survive this. There's no doubt about it. So I'm excited to just share the views I have and the things I feel in the spirit. You have to admit something. We've never walked this path before. We've never walked along these lines before. But God is helping us. What's very interesting to me about this is, that the coronavirus has put the church out of the building. The church is in the streets. That's where God always wanted anyway. The church was in the streets in the beginning. There were 50,000 believers in Jerusalem in the beginning. There were 50,000 believers or more in Antioch. But the Myers, they didn't have a building big enough, a Roman Colosseum big enough to house the converts. It was done in the open, and they absolutely shook the world. In fact. Christianity destroyed the Roman Empire in the end result. So in this country, that this thing has gotten out of the building. It's in the streets. People are calling. People all over this country are calling UPC pastors because they want to be baptized in Jesus' name. They've heard the message. They know about it. And there's a fear. And by fear, I mean a reverence for God an awareness of God. And people are calling our pastors. They can't get Trinitarians to baptize them in Jesus' name. So they're calling UPC churches, their pastors. They say this, I know we can't come to a service. You're not having services. But if you just baptize me in Jesus' name, it's happening all over the country. Our pastors are baptizing people in Jesus' name all over the country. Two weeks ago, I got the message that there was one family for the Myers, they were so desperate to be baptized in Jesus' name. They couldn't find the Trinitarian pastor to baptize them in the name of Jesus. So they, they couldn't find a UPC church in their area. So in their desperation, they baptized their whole family themselves in their own bathtub in their home in Jesus' name. That's how desperate people are. That's the awakening that's taking a hold of us in this country. We've never lived in an hour like this. We got to make the best of this. We could have the greatest revival out of this the world has ever, ever known.
0: Amen. What are you feeling right now in the spirit world, Brother Stone King? What do you feel like God is is really doing with the church and what how this fits in, this virus and what the season that we're in? How does that really fit into prophecy and what God is? Is God getting ready to come back for the church?
1: Oh, he definitely is. Jesus will come in our day. There's no doubt about that. There's a simple lesson that I think is very interesting. And I pulled out a sheet this morning because I thought I might have a chance to explain this to you. There's a lot of discussion now about, uh, well, maybe this is the tribulation period. Well, this is not the tribulation period. But it is a glimpse into what the world may look like once the church is gone and the tribulation period begins. We People in to understand the church has always suffered persecution, but persecution comes from your fellow man. The tribulation is the wrath of God against those that know not God. It has nothing to do with the church. That's why Jesus said, you're not appointed unto wrath. We've seen persecution, but we have never seen the wrath of God. And the tribulation period is the wrath of God against those that know not God. That's the difference right there. We don't ever want to see the wrath of God. I want nothing to do with the wrath of God. We've seen persecution, I reiterate, but that has come from our fellow man. So this whole business, people are beginning to say, well, maybe we will go through the tribulation period. Maybe this is it. No, this is not it. Because in the tribulation period, if you read in the book of Revelation, There are 21 phases of God's wrath against the world and them that know not God and will not serve him. There are seven seals, there are seven trumpets, and there are seven vials. And each one of those intensifies as they go from one to 21 phases. And the end, it ends with the greatest earthquake the world has ever known. So what I'm saying is, we have not known the wrath of God but all of those things are coming upon the world. And again, I reiterate, what we're seeing right now is like a glimpse into what the world may look like after the rapture takes place. But we are the restraining force. The church is the restraining force in the earth. I'm sure you know of the verses in Thessalonians where it says, uh, only they uh, who now hinder will continue to hinder until they be taken out of the way or the Bible scripture actually says, they who let will continue to let until they be taken out of the way. That the word let comes from an old word, Greek word that means to hinder. So what it's really saying is only he who now hinders will continue to hinder until he be taken out of the way. In other words, as long as the church is here, the Antichrist could never stick his head out because we'd chop it off with fasting and prayer. We'd knock him off the scene because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So what I'm saying is that we're living at an hour that resembles it so closely. But here's what's interesting to me. And I could go along those lines a long time, but I want to get to this. In the Old Testament, there were seven feasts of the Lord, seven feasts. And the Jews worshipped those days every year. God required of them to keep seven feasts. For example, on April 14th, there was the Feast of Passover. On April 15th, there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On April 16th, there was the Feast of first fruits, And then uh, there was the Feast of uh, Trumpets, Feast of Pentecost, rather. And then there was the Feast of Trumpets. And then there was the Feast of the Day of Atonement. And then there was the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Well, those seven feasts represented the entire New Testament church age is what they represented. And the Jews worshiped in type and shadow the entire New Testament church age, but they didn't really know what they were doing. They didn't really know what they were, what they were worshiping in. For example, The Feast of Passover was the crucifixion. Unleavened bread was the burial. First fruits was the resurrection. The Feast of Pentecost was the birth of the church. The Feast of Trumpets was the rapture of the church, a type of the rapture of the church. And the Feast of Day of Atonement was a type of the tribulation period. It was a time when they inflicted themselves. There was great mourning, there was great uncertainty on that particular day. And then the Feast of Tabernacles represented the tabernacle of the, ta- the uh, thousand years of peace. This is the point I want to make. The Feast of Trumpets, which represented the rapture of the church, took, de- took place nine days before, before the Feast of the Day of Atonement, which was a type of the tribulation period. The Feast of Trumpets did not come in the middle of the Day of Atonement or after the Day of Atonement. The Feast of tab of the Trumpets came nine days before the Feast of the Day of Atonement. That proves right there, conclusively, the church will be raptured out of this world before the tribulation period begins. Case closed. Those Jews celebrated those feasts in exactly the same order. On exactly the same dates, year after year after year, in fact, the orthodoxy of Judaism to this day still recognizes those feasts and celebrate them. I think that's amazing, absolutely amazing because to me, the Bible is very simple. If you can read the evening newspaper, you can read the Bible. you can understand it. the Bible says exactly what it means and so I'm excited to know. That uh, we are on our way out of here. We've got to be somewhere close to the coming of the Lord. There's a reason why I say that. I know know that you know probably, uh, you've heard all of this, Daniel's 70 weeks. Uh, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream in the days of Daniel. And Daniel was in Babylon. Daniel was gifted, and he knew how to interpret dreams. And the news reached Nebuchadnezzar. No one could could interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So those who couldn't, he killed them. But he was told that there was a young man, his name was Daniel, of the Jewish people, that had the gift of interpretation, he could interpret his dream. And so Nebuchadnezzar sent for Daniel. And the vision was, the dream was, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream There was a gigantic, tall image with a head of gold, shoulders of silver, the torso was brass, the legs were iron, and the feet were iron and clay. It's very interesting because Babylon was the first Gentile empire that God ever recognized in his word. The only way you hear of any kind of an Empire in the Bible is because they entangled themselves with the Jews. That's the only reason they're mentioned. The Jews were God's chosen people. Abraham entered into an everlasting covenant with God himself. God entered into a blood covenant relationship with Abraham. God said, You take a heifer for me and circumcision for you. We'll mingle our blood together. God was in a blood covenant circumcision with Abraham. That's why God could not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until he checked with his earth partner, because God is in that relationship with us. You and I today are in a blood covenant relationship with God himself when you're baptized in Jesus' name. As long as you're in that city where you are, Brother Myers, I don't care how wicked it becomes, how evil it becomes. As long as you are there interceding, as Abraham interceded, God worked with him. I mean, Abraham bargained with him down to one soul. As long as you are there pleading for the city, God will never destroy that city That's how powerful our pastors are if they only realized who they really are. They have power with God that no one else on planet Earth has. It's incredibly amazing to me. Daniel stepped on the scene and Babylon was the first Gentile empire, I reiterate, that God ever recognized in his word. That was the beginning of the times of the Gentiles. Babylon was the head of gold. Then you had Media Persia. Then you had Greece. And then you had Rome. Babylon was golden. Politically speaking, the glory of Babylon was golden. But Media Persia was not as glorious politically as was Babylon. So they were represented by the metal silver. The Greeks were not as glorious as were the Medes and the Persians, so they were represented politically by the brass, by the the metal brass, I'm sorry. Then Rome succeeded those three empires, and um, Rome was not as glorious politically as was the Grecian Empire, and so God used iron to represent them. But when you get to the feet, the feet was mingled, the toes were mingled with iron and clay. So what I'm saying is this, we have lost the glory of the gold. We have lost the glory of the silver. We have lost the glory of the brass. We have lost the glory of the iron. For the Myers, we are living in the mud. That's where we are. That's why we're fighting what we're fighting. Everything is muddy. Politics are muddy. Morals are muddy. People are muddy. Everything is muddy. And if you understand that, with all get wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. With all that getting, get understanding. If you can understand what's going on, you can at least negotiate it. I understand what's going on. These There's a battle raging in the spirit world around us all the time, unlike anything we have ever seen, because the devil knows his days are numbered. And you can feel the heaviness. What I want to get to every person listening to me today is this. What you're feeling, this heaviness, these things that come against you, that's not you. It's on the outside trying to get into you. If you understand this is the battle going around you, if you rebuke that thing in Jesus' name, cover yourself with the name of Jesus, cover yourself with the blood of Jesus, you can back it off. But we're negotiating that right now. Everything is muddy, Brother Myers. This is the worst. I'm 79 years old. I'll be 80 years old in July this year. I've never seen anything like this in all the years I've been in this world. It's just amazing where we are but out of this that image stood there as the times of the gentiles but out of this out of space out of the air there was carved a stone and that stone was hurled at the feet of that image the gold mm. the silver the brass the iron the clay and when that stone which is Jesus Christ When it hit that stone image at the feet, the entire thing crumbled. That is the end of the times of the Gentiles. That will end at the Battle of Armageddon. The times of the Gentiles will reach from Babylon all the way through to the Battle of Armageddon. The Babylonian captivity lasted 70 years. The uh, Media Persian Empire lasted, I think it was about 200 years. And the Grecian Empire, it lasted about, uh, I think it was uh, 170 or something like that. But the church age lasted, it's going to last 2,160 years. Now, the Grecian Empire lasted 170 years. So we've seen all of this in prophecy. This is the greatest, this, Brother Meyer, this is the greatest glory, glorious hour we've ever lived in. We are going to see the rapture of the coming of the Lord. There's no doubt about it. If we know anything about prophecy, this is it. We're at the end. Everything points to it. Everything points to it as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, as it was in the days of Noah. All of those things are around us every day. And it's amazing that all these things are happening. I would think that people would get so excited and, be, and just understand that Jesus is coming. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever you are listening, if you're ever going to live for God, you need to do it now. If you're ever going to pray yourself through, now is the time to pray yourself through. This thing is over. We're going to get out of here any day now. Can you imagine, Brother Myers, just going along in life? And here's the thing. Tragedy always strikes on an ordinary day. A day like every other day, the phone rings. A police car stops in front of the house. A knock at the door. I'm sorry, but. Tragedy always strikes on an ordinary day. Jesus will come on an ordinary day, a day like every other day. Maybe may be washing dishes at the sink, maybe mowing the lawn, and all of a sudden, you'll take a step and your foot will catch on the air and it'll never touch the earth again, and you'll be you'll be caught away. That's where we are. He could come today, he could come tonight. So I am excited, and I can feel the Holy Ghost, and I'm bringing back tears. Oh, the
0: stones, I Oh, man, that's so powerful. We're We're speaking with uh, evangelist uh, Lady Stone King, who has had such a big impact on many of us, ministries, churches for a number of years in the United Pentecostal Church and around the world. And uh, Brother Stone King, I, I want to ask you this question. And those of you that are watching, if you have questions and you want to ask Brother Stone King, feel free to just type those in and we'll... Uh, ask questions as time permits, but Brother King, I wanted to ask you this: When you were speaking at the United Nations uh, General Assembly <coughs> building, yes, uh, you you preached a powerful word, and you said that that Jesus uh, is the solution for the ills of society. Yes, and when I think about this climate that we're in right now, uh, he he indeed is the vaccination. But beyond that, there's such a hunger, as you pointed out that people are desirous to know the Lord to have a relationship they want to know the genuine article if you if someone's watching right now what would you tell them about how they could activate that presence of God into their life and really find that Jesus is the solution to what their needs are individually collectively countries societies cultures how how do how do they find God in that way
1: everything with God and knowing about him is an individual relationship It's like in just life in general. Let's look at life in general. You have best friends. I have best friends. And when you have a best friend, you tell them things that you don't tell anyone else. And your best friends tell you things they don't tell anyone else. Well, the more you talk with Jesus, the closer you get to him. And the more you talk with him, the better you get to know him. And once you get to know him, you can hardly live without him but if you never talk to him, you cannot establish any kind of a real relationship. What's sad to me in this country in particular, there are many people who know about Jesus. Brother Mars they really don't know him. There's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. So in my lifetime, I have fasted, I have prayed, I have cried to God. I've done the things, that have ca- has caused God to draw near to me. And I wouldn't change it for anything in the entire world. In fact, at the United Nations, it was very interesting. It's a long story, but I'll just simply say, but I was invited to speak to the General Assembly at the United Nations. I'm the only Christian voice that has ever stood in that podium in the history of the United Nations existence, and that's 70 years. I was chosen by the top eight most powerful men, excuse me, at the United Nations, including Ban Ki-moon, who was the secretary general at that time. He was the most powerful man in the entire world. I became close friends with him. He was a wonderful, wonderful individual. He was from Korea, he was Korean. And uh, I had dinner with them and did a number of things. But in the actual address at the UN, what happened was the United Nations understood that politics were not the answer to the world atrocities and the terrorism, the acts of terrorism. so they decided they would contact fourteen of the world's top religious leaders and bring them to the UN to speak to the General Assembly to somehow maybe put some kind of a religious impact up on things to alter or change. Um, the human atrocities, and the terrorism of the world. Brother Mars, it's very interesting. I was number 11 on that particular program because my last name is Stone King, and the speakers were listed in alphabetical order to speak. Well, we were only given 10 minutes each. That's all the time we had to give some kind of an answer or solution to the, the atrocities and terrorism in the world. But the Myers I said then listen not one of those leaders there were two Cambodian there were two Buddhist monks from Cambodia there was an Islamic imam there there was a Roman Catholic bishop there there were various world leaders in fact the top rabbi of Jerusalem sat right beside me as we were waiting to be called up to speak in the podium it was amazing but not one of them addressed the issue that they were asked to address. They 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 stood in the pulpit, not one of them stayed within the 10-minute frame. They went way over time and they just read something they wrote. It was absolutely boring. Everybody was boring. In fact, the men the world lead world religious leaders around me, they were texting, they were iPading, they were not paying any attention to anything because it was boring what was going on. Well, the uh, usher came to me and said to me, Reverend Stone King, he said, Reverend, is it possible you could walk to the podium when they call your name by yourself? I have to help the aged rabbi back to his seat. I said, there's no problem. I have no problem with that at all, I'll be fine. So when they called my name and I stood, Brother Myers, something happened. I've got the Holy Ghost. He's alive inside of me. Mm. I know this man called Jesus. When I stood, everything stopped. When I stepped in that pulpit, I didn't talk about religion. I didn't talk about anything. I gave them my experience. I said, I, basically I had called all the basic names of the greats that were there. Bon Ki-moon, Nasser, El Nasser, uh, all of them. And then I simply addressed them. Your excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at a miracle. I'm not supposed to be here. By all medical expertise, I should be dead. And then in seven and a half minutes, I gave a condensed form or presentation of my being raised from the dead by the God I serve. In other words, it was not talking about religion. It was a testimony that no one could fight. No one could fight it. No one could ridicule it. And in seven and a half minutes, We got Acts 238 to the entire world in seven and a half minutes. That's never happened in the history of the church, but we did it. And when I walked out of there, we walked out of that day, I had lunch with all those dignitaries. And then Alexandra, who was secretary to Ban Ki-moon at the time, she came to me. She said, Reverend, she said, "Um, they want want to have an interview with you. These people want to have an interview. I said, well... I have to know when, what time, because I've got other things here I want, I need to do at the UN. she said, well, I'll come back. She came back in 30 minutes. She said, well, she said, do you know who Rabbi Kahn is? I said, yes, I do. He's a Jewish uh, uh, Messianic Jew. She said, yes. Well, he lives in Northern New Jersey and he wants to meet you personally by way of Skype. I said, fine, but again, I have to know what time because I have things going on here. She said, well, I'll get back to you. In 30 minutes, she came back and she said, well, he's changed his mind. He lives an hour drive from New York City. He'll be here in Manhattan in an hour. He'll come straight to the UN and he will uh, will bring him upstairs and he can meet you. I said, fine. So in an hour, we had this special room upstairs on about the 45th floor of the United Nations building. And we were seated there, uh, Dr. Uh, Art Wilson, his wife, myself, and Alexandra, the secretary to, to Ban Ki-moon. And all of a sudden, the uh, message came that it was there. At that particular time, the security was, is, is ext- Brother Myers, the security of getting into the UN- United Nations building is unbelievable what they put you through. Okay, but I had a presidential pass and I owned it for one year. I had a yellow pass, like the President of the United States has, the Queen of England has, all of the dignitaries of the world have it. I just flashed that yellow card and I walked straight through. I had no Holdups at all in the lines or the cues, I went straight through, so I had gone straight through, but with um the rabbi Jonathan Khan, they had some difficulty getting him through anyway, they brought him in the in the room upstairs. Alexander came in with him, and um, he stood there and uh you, you know if you know you know how I am because you know me, I just walked over to him, he walked in and he folded his arms across his chest, you know. And he just stood there and I walked over to him and I just uh, grabbed his arms. And I said, I said, Rabbi, I, I said, Jonathan, I am absolutely delighted to meet you, man. I said, I've watched you on YouTube. I have clapped. I have shouted. I have cried. I have just been behind everything you're doing, man. But I don't suppose he gets many greetings like that or introductions just exactly. like that. So anyway, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was just amazing. And. Uh, so anyway, he uh, sat down. And when he sat down, this is what he said. He said, we all need to get back to Acts 2.38. I couldn't believe what I heard. I couldn't believe he wow. said that. He said, we need to get back to Acts 2.38. He said that three times, Brother Myers. We need to get back to Acts 38." Brother Wilson looked at him and he said, Jonathan, it's interesting you've said that. Reverend Stoneking just finished an address to the General Assembly for seven and a half minutes talking about that very issue. And Art flipped on his iPad and Jonathan just watched the seven and a half minute message I just gave to the UN. When he got through with that, heard my testimony about healing, he said, this is timely. He said, I need a miracle. Something's gone wrong with my thyroid gland. I'm in trouble. I said, well, we'll pray for you. But I said, before we do, I want to ask you a question. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name before you received, before you got into all of this? He said, yes, I have. I said, next question. When they baptized you, did they say, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? He said, yes. I said, next question. When they baptized you in Jesus' name, I said, and you came out of the water, have you received the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues? He said, yes. I said, now it's time to pray. So I said, stand, please. He stood. I laid both hand, my hand on his chest, one hand on his back. I began to pray. Brother Myers, that dude bent forward, sobbing, speaking with tongues. I mean, Jonathan Kahn has got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, man. I know because I had a hold of him. That dude has got the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. It was incredible. Well, so we, we finished that. And then uh, I had various things going on. But what was interesting to me is that within the first 48 hours after that address, I think there were over four or five million people that had watched it. Within just a couple of weeks, it was about 50 million. At this point, later, about a year later, I was talking to Alexandra, the secretary at that time, to Ban Ki-moon, as I said before, I said to her, I said, Alexandra, I said, while I was speaking uh, at the UN, was that interpreted into other languages? She said, Reverend, what you don't understand is, while you were speaking, your message was automatically translated into the six mother tongue languages of the world. English, German, Spanish, French, Mm -hmm. Arabic, Chinese, Japanese. I said, you're kidding. She said, no. And she said, Brother Strong what you don't understand is, 2.8 2.8 billion people speak one or more of those languages in the earth. That's how far reaching your message has gone. We reached the world with Acts 2.38 in seven and a half minutes. I've gotten calls from Africa. I don't know what, what religion they are, what faith they are, but they wanted to know if I would give them permission to show my address to their, in all the churches in their country. And I said, of course, it's amazing what's happened. It's just amazing what's happened. Wow.
0: And, you know, I think we're going to have more and more of those kind of opportunities. I, I'm so excited. We're talking with Reverend uh, Lee Stoneking, and we are joined now with some some wonderful friends of ours, uh, two young ministers that have been very influenced and impacted by your ministry, Brother Stone King. And we are excited to have Josh Herring and Chris Green with us. And both of them are very familiar with our East Wind Church family. And first of all, uh, Brother Herring. I'm so glad that you are with us. We're excited about tomorrow night. You're going to be preaching on baptism, and we're talking about eternity this week. I feel like there's a hunger among all of our viewers and listeners to really be right so that we can spend eternity with the Lord. And of course, we know that's the plan of salvation. But let me just start with you, Brother Herring. What are you feeling in the spirit, and what do you want to ask Brother Stone King?
2: Well, thank you, Pastor Myers, first of all, for letting me be on here. Pops, good to see you. Good and, to see you, uh, boy. To My homie Chris Green, I love you, man. And uh, it's great to be on here with you guys. It's a truly a desperate time. Uh, obviously, the Lord's coming back soon. This morning here in Pensacola, three three people, a man and, and two sons, drove and asked me to baptize them, and so I was uh, so I baptized them. And when I got done baptizing them, they told me that they drove two and a half hours. They'd watched me on YouTube preaching. And they drove two and a half hours from Mississippi, found out where we lived, just to be baptized in Jesus' name. And the, the Lord filled the man with the Holy Ghost when it came out of the water. This Thank morning. you, Jesus. So it was an incredible thing. God's doing incredible things. I will say this. Um, you know, we just lost a prophet this week, or last week, Brother Eli Hernandez, who walked in deep, deep waters, uh, mentored me at, like Brother Stone King has. And um, I something, Brother... Art Wilson said, who Brother Stone King's already mentioned, that just really, really woke me up and uh, not woke me up. But it really it startled me. I've been praying and asking the Lord why he took Brother Hernandez so, so quickly, so young. And um, I've been very burdened and very troubled for about 10 days. And he said this, he said he was praying the same thing and asking the Lord why, why this happened. And the Lord said to him, who climbed Mount Transfiguration with me? And he said, well, James, John, and Peter. The Lord asked them again, who climbed Mount Transfiguration with me? He said, James, John, and Peter. He asked them the third time, and Brother, Brother Wilson said, James, and God said, stop. And Brother Wilson said, uh, the Lord asked him, why do you think I invested so much into a temporary ministry like James? He was going to be executed early in Acts, Acts 12. Peter was going to have an extended ministry. John was going to have an eternal ministry. <laughs> but James was gonna have a temporary ministry. Why was he one of the three? Anyone could have been chosen. Why did I choose him when he was going to die so young? And I listened and Brother Wilson said these words, and this is what I feel for the apostolic church right now. He said that when James died, the church woke up and began to pray for Peter like they'd never prayed ever before. And they prayed and ultimately got Peter out of prison because of the death of James, the man of God. And he said the passing of Eli Hernandez has caused the apostolic church to wake up into such a dimension of hunger and apostolic desire that they're not going to take no for an answer now. And things that, that you don't understand. He said, God has let temporary ministries come and go to wake us up to go for apostolic revival like we've never seen before. And I truly believe that's what's going on. I believe that there's an anointing there's a desperation in our preaching There's an authority that's coming on us. There's an absolute sensitivity of the Holy Ghost that I've never seen. And um, I think he's coming back very soon. And that's why I think the preachers are preaching with more prophetic anointing and more desperation in their voice and more authority because they realize the time is short.
0: Brother Chris Green, we
2: love you. And I know the
0: Lord's had a a special touch upon your life. You've been such a blessing to our Eastland family and I know Brother Stone King's ministry has had a big impact on your life what are you feeling right now in the spirit and what do you want to ask Brother Stone King
3: oh man I'm just thankful to uh, be on this this conversation with some amazing amazing men of God and uh, just thank you Brother Myers for allowing me to be on with you guys you guys are are eternal friends of ours and uh, Brother Stone King and Brother Herring I wouldn't be where I am today without these two men of God Um, obviously we're in an unprecedented time and I believe that this time is bringing out the best of some and bringing out the worst of others. And that's what happens in a tight place. Hosea 515 says in their affliction, they will seek me early. And that word affliction translates to a tight place of distress he says, in their tight place of distress, they will seek me early. And I looked up that word early in the Hebrew, and it translates to "to diligently seek for. And when I read that, to diligently seek for, it rang a bell in the New Testament, Hebrews 11 and 6, he will reward those who diligently seek him. And so this time of affliction, this time of a tight place of distress, I believe has squeezed the best out of some and <laughs> squeezed the worst out of others, but it's all been dependent upon how they have sought after God. And, um, that's kind of what I would love to ask brother stone King is, um, if brother stone King, if you could say I'm 32 years old, so I'm still a young man trying to stay young. If you could speak to your 20 or your 30 year old self, what would you say? Because you know so many things now, you have an, an experience and an exposure that few have, but it didn't start when you were 60 years old. It didn't start when you were 70 years old. One thing that I've seen about this younger generation is they have a a tenacious hunger, a ferocious hunger. I was talking to uh, Brother Mark Brown about this the other day that this generation has one of the greatest... Um, uh, appetites for the things of God that I have ever seen in my life, but we're trying to bridge the gap from the desire of hunger to um, to the action, the application of that hunger, and I was with Brother Stoneking at the Texas Bible College um, Legacy Conference, and on Friday night, the place just went up in flames. Brother Stone King preached about being used of God, and 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 there was I saw the hunger bring the young people to the altar and they were you could see them lifting their hands as if they were just praying for God to anoint their hands and they were yes 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 and the next morning my wife actually was asked to speak and she taught about intercessory prayer and daily prayer and and what was interesting is that um, it was sort of the moment when the rubber met the road, because you could see the night before when people were wanting this anointing of Lee Stone King, if you will, they were wanting the miracle signs and wonders that Reverend Lee Stone King has seen, and this 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 ministry. but then the next day you attach it to that when the word went forth it 's time to pray. The response was different. <clears throat> there was a, a much fewer number who actually went to the altar with that same <laughs> desperation that they had the night before. And I could see the gap from that hunger of God. I want it to, okay, but what's it going to cost me? And so brother Stonking was had to fly out. And so that <laughs> night I spoke to those students and I said, do you think that while Brother Stone King was in Bible college at ABI, he was playing games and, and watching movies and just doing frivolous things? I said it wasn't a mantle that Brother Stone King received. It was a prayer life that he committed to God that allowed him to become who he is today. But my question would go into that for Brother Stone King to speak to the 20s and the 30-somethings that want to bridge that gap from desire to decision. How could you speak to that, Brother Stoneking? King?
1: It has to do with action. When I um, first came into this, I was 23 years old, and I had been injured very seriously in a car accident when I was 16. There was really no hope for me. I was going to a doctor every other day, Monday night after work, Wednesday night after work, Friday night after work. Could not get sometimes over the weekend, and I had to call the doctor, and I have to go back and have everything realigned in my back. I was in really bad shape. At, long story short, I came to an apostolic Pentecostal church, and um, I had never seen anything like it. But I noticed in the service, it was in the basement of a parsonage because it was a whole missionary church until they could build the new building. It was just a small group of people. I had gone to a big, beautiful church with stained glass windows, the Evangelical Free Church, and all that type of thing. But, um, and Billy Graham was my hero, and all of that. And I was a counselor in Youth for Christ. and. All of those things I was into at that time. But uh, I saw something in the basement of this parsonage in this apostolic Christian group that I'd never seen before. Uh, In the prayer request at the beginning of the opening of the service, there were people who raised their hands and said, I want prayer for my body tonight. i had never seen that before. And uh, I watched. I didn't close my eyes, but I watched. They walked down front, and Brother Butcher, the pastor at that time, he opened a little bottle of oil, anointed their heads with oil. They're forever the oil and prayed in Jesus' name. They went back to their uh, service, their seats, and sat down. Then later, they had what they call a testimony service. Well, in that testimony service, some of those same people that went down for prayer, they stood and raised their hands and said, I want to thank God for healing my body tonight. My The pain is gone. Well, I was in such bad shape. And Chris, when you're in bad shape, you don't care what you have to do as long as it works. And I can tell you, this world is in bad shape. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what you sound like. They just want to know that you and I have got what we really say we've got. And if they can be convinced that we've got it, they want it and they'll get it. So anyway, I thought to myself, I wonder if this had worked for me. So the next service I went to, on the outside of the church, we walked down the stairs in the basement from an outside entrance. I met Brother Butcher, the pastor, and I said to him, I said, uh, Reverend Butcher, I want prayer for my body tonight. Well, that's what you thats what you had said. So I figured if I said what you had said, he'd know I needed something for my body. So the service started and they were singing away. And I honestly thought he had forgotten me and I did something that's totally out of nature for me. I'm, I'm not accustomed to doing this thing, this type of thing, but I thought he forgot me and I was desperate. So I raised my hand and he stopped everything. I said, for the butcher, I need prayer for my body. He said, come forward right now. Well, my heart began to pound because I didn't know exactly what would happen. But I walked down there, and um, I remember he just anointed my forehead with oil. I lifted my hands just this high, just shoulder high. That that was a, that was a major thing for me. We didn't do things like that in the Evangelical Pre-Church. So this was major. This, this came a lot. This came a lot like several months later. But this, I got this far the first night when I was prayed for. And he prayed for me. All he said, as I anoint you with oil in Jesus' name, and command you to be healed in Jesus' name. That's all he said. I went back to my seat. That was Sunday night. Monday morning came. There was no pain. Tuesday came. There was no pain. Wednesday came. There was no pain. Thursday came. There was no pain. And the doctor's office called and said, "Are you bedfast?" I said, "No." I said, "Where have you been? You missed all your appointments." I said, "Well." I've been to a little Pentecostal church on the east side of Des Moines, Iowa. They believe in divine healing. They prayed for me, and I've been healed. He was so angry. I can't tell you how angry he was. He said, we want to see you. They always want to see you, you know. So I went in. I gave him my entire story, my whole testimony with details I'm leaving out here today. And when I got all done, he was so angry. He said, I'll give you one month, and you'll be back to me in worse shape than you've ever been in. I grinned. I said, no, I don't think so. I think this is going to work. Well it's 56 years later, and it's still working. So what I said was this. I said to myself at that point, if there is a Jesus, this real and this powerful, I will shout this from the housetops. And I began within eight hours after I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was laying hands on people for miracles of healing, and they were being healed. Someone asked me last year, Brother Stone King, when did all this begin to happen for you? When did all this begin to take place? What what do you mean? What are you talking about? This is all these miracles. When did it all begin to happen? I said, I've always had it. I had it from the beginning. I found in the Bible, these signs shall follow them that believe. I'm a believer. You can profess all you want, but you don't possess it until you use it. I don't care what anybody tells you. There are a lot of professors, but they don't possess anything. I'll make this thing happen. He said, if you lay hands on, I'll heal get out of your seat, Lay your go across the aisle, lay hands on somebody, climb over a pew, do something. If you wanna see something you've never seen before, you better do something you've never done before. Forget what you look like. I'm at the point at 79 years of age, I couldn't care less what anybody thinks or does. As long as God is happy with what I'm doing, I'm gonna keep doing it. And that's how young people need to get to. There's a whole generation right now these signs shall follow them that believe. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You know all of that. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That means to preach. Well, we've seen that, but there's something we haven't seen. And I really believe this. In my travels in the last two or three years, I have been watching, to us, sons and daughters of 16, 17-year-old kids. But the Bible is a Jewish book. It was written to the people of the book. The land of the book, Israel, okay? <clears throat> so sons and daughters in Judaism are 25 to 30-year-old people. Jesus did not enter the ministry until he was 30. A priest could not enter the priesthood until he was 30. So when you're talking about your sons and daughters, your prophesy, you're talking about a 25 to 30-year-old group of people. I've been watching in my travels, I reiterate. Chris, there is something happening on that particular group, that age group in this whole movement all across the United States. There's something. I'm watching them. They're the ones reaching for the gifts of the Spirit. They're the ones talking about the five-fold ministry. They're the ones wanting revival. But all they're waiting for is someone to give them permission. They believe it. They want to do it. You've got my permission. I'm giving that generation my permission. We are elders that are alive today. You need to give these kids permission to go out and do what they know to do. They're waiting for permission. You've got my permission. That's why you and Josh and, and Joe Capitale and others are doing what you're doing. I gave you permission. And anybody who fought you, I'll fight them. We need to fight for our young people. You guys need to get out to doing it. You're doing what needs to be done. The world has never seen anybody like you. And before Jesus comes, there's going to be a there's going to be a surge of preaching unlike anything this world has ever known because the latter rain is greater than the early rain or the former rain. We're living in the latter rain now. The latter rain is seven times greater. Chris, that means that before the coming of the Lord, you're going to see everything reenacted you read about in the book of Acts, but it's going to be seven times greater. Than anything we read about in the book of Acts, we're not headed for some great falling away There was 100% falling away in the Garden of Eden. Forget that. We're not headed for a falling away. We are headed for the greatest moves of God. We're in it now that the world has ever seen. There's nothing like this. Billy Cole saw over 178,000 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in one service. That's never happened in biblical, in biblical times anywhere. We are live to see that. Thousands are being baptized in Jesus' name. There's revival everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Mm. God is doing something. I don't know about you, but I can hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind. I can hear the crackle of cloven tongues of fire. We're at that point, Brother Myers. There's nothing like what we're living in. So let's exhaust it. Let's just do everything we can do. Let the critics do whatever they want to do. Ignore them. Keep on going.
0: Amen. Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost. That is so powerful. We are speaking with Reverend Lee Stone King, Reverend Josh Herring, Reverend Chris Green. And Brother Stone King, there's a question that has come in online from uh, Nathan Davis. He says, what is the key to tapping into conquering spiritual warfare?
1: Fasting and prayer. Fasting weakens the devil. Fasting does not, fasting does not, Convince God to heal, to save, or any of that. Fasting, fasting weakens the devil. When the disciples came back and said to Jesus, they had they had seen healings, but they couldn't cast out certain devils or whatever. Jesus said, This kind cometh not forth, but by prayer and fasting. Fasting weakens the devil. Fasting, that's what it does. It weakens the devil. Any man of God that I've ever known that fast, they can cast out devils in seconds. People who fast, yeah. it weakens the devil. It weakens the devil, is what it does.
2: Amen.
1: Brother Absolutely. Myers, Brother can Harry, I want to say you want to weigh
0: in on that? Ahead. How do we win the battle on spiritual warfare?
2: Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Brother Green. I'm sorry. Go, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead, Chris.
3: I'm just afraid if Josh goes, <laughs> the thing's going to blow up. <laughs> go. I'm ready to pray right now. <laughs> <laughs> just something real simple to add to what brother stone King just said. And, um, the Lord just showed me this a few days ago in my own flesh. I didn't see this, you know, watching somebody else. This was my own flesh being flesh. And, um, I've been on this journey. Josh and I uh, are, are doing this thing together, this early morning prayer, journey together. And, and I've always had the excuses why I can't get up early and pray just like anybody has excuses, but, but the Lord's taken all those excuses away with this quarantine. So, and uh, (laughs) so I've been getting up early and praying and, and uh, I'm on week four now. And I say all that because I realized last week that I prayed two or three hours early in the morning as the sun is rising and, and two straight days in a row after praying two to three hours at five in the morning, the rest of the day was just terrible. I, I was having dealing with anger. I was dealing with temptation. I was dealing with let's just call it carnality in my 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 filthy flesh. And the next morning, I was praying and I thought, man, I am I must be really a really bad sinner to be praying two to three hours early in the morning before the sun rises and then have deal with this sin and temptation and flesh and carnality and. And um, what I realized is, no, I'm just a human being. You know, I I can't make my flesh spiritual. And so I began to pray about spiritual warfare, just like you asked. And and I was thinking about the concept of praying and fasting. And in that story, I, I went back and read it. And I realized that the disciples were doing spiritual warfare for someone else. Okay. They were trying to cast out a spirit for someone else. It wasn't for them. It was for someone else. And Jesus, in essence, was saying, if, if you're battling for someone else, what it's going to take is for you to have prayer and fasting. These things come not out but by prayer and fasting. But then I said, but God, this isn't for someone else. This is for me. I am de- i wasn't demon possessed, but I was flesh possessed. And I'm thinking, God, this I'm not right. trying to cast the devil out of somebody else. And I... I, I if Brother Stone King wants to rebuke me for this, have have at it. But I say, God, praying You're and kidding. fasting has not been enough for me. So what do I do? James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I realized, okay, I can pray from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., but from 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night, I've got to do something called resisting the devil, resisting my flesh, resisting temptation. I can't walk around like some idiot, like I've got some spiritual force field because I prayed early in the morning and, you know, nothing's going to happen to me because I prayed early in the morning. No, no. Jesus fasted for 40 days and then was tempted by the devil three times. And what did he do? He resisted the devil three times. So I realized no matter how much you pray in the morning, no matter how many days of fasting you do, if it's for yourself, it's going to require something called resistance. And I just felt to add that to this subject.
0: I agree. Oh, that is so good. I agree.
3: I agree. So good. Chris, that's tremendous. That is that's awesome. Tremendous.
0: Brother. Oh, that's so good. Brother Herring. You want to weigh in yes. on this?
2: Yeah, I thought Chris was about I to I know you have stuff. battled in
0: spiritual warfare many times and had many
2: victories. <laughs> yeah. I got all <laughs> I, mean, I got just, all
3: those notes from Brother Stone King and Brother Herring. So I give <laughs> you. It, Brother.
2: I know you did. Uh, um, <laughs> this morning, I preached James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Uh, there are seven things God told me to pray every morning, seven prayers of submission to walk in deeper spiritual authority and spiritual warfare, because submission is the pathway to spiritual authority. Uh, the seven things he said to submit to vocally every morning are number one, the word of God, um, because when you submit to the word of God in the morning, no matter what your feelings or emotions are that day, like what the Chris just talked about, the word trumps your feelings. Because you have vocally submitted to the word of God. So when your feelings are wrong, you will just go to the word and it will show you that you're wrong. Number two, submit to the name of Jesus, which keeps you from receiving glory, uh, your name from receiving glory, because you've submitted your name to his name. Number three, to submit to the blood of Jesus every morning. A lot of people plead the blood, but don't submit to the blood. And you cannot have power pleading the blood against the enemy if you're not submitted to it. It's kind of like when Moses told the people to put the blood on the doorpost, the death angel was coming. That's powerful. To, but if you put the blood on the doorpost and walk outside the house, you're dead. You have to live behind the blood to have power in the blood. So some things will expose you to the enemy when you live outside the blood. So submitting to the laws of the blood are huge in spiritual warfare to keep you hidden from the enemy. Number four was to submit to the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, so that your human spirit would not take control of your day. Number five, submit to the angels of the Lord. A lot of preachers preach that they command angels. That's not biblical. Bible said he gives his angels charge over you. And there's a whole lot of stuff there. I'll I'll leave it alone. Number six was to, to submit to the will of God for your day. Anything outside the will of God cannot touch you. If you're submitted to the will of God. And number seven is to submit to the man of God, your pastor and when in the morning I pray those seven things and the Lord told me the reason to pray that is when the enemy comes to attack you, whether it's through temptation or through an attack. uh, If you've submitted to those seven things, when you resist and you speak against the enemy, they don't see Chris green or Josh Herring. They see the word, the name, the blood, the spirit, the angels, the will of God, and whoever your pastor is speaking against them because you vocally declared, I'm submitted to the authority. And the greater your level of submission is, the greater your authority in spiritual warfare. I do believe prayer and fasting is the absolute key. I mean, uh, I could talk all day on this. I'm trying to write a book on fasting. It's huge. But I think that submission is very vital in spiritual warfare because there's a lot of people that, uh, I'll say this and I'll shut up, but there's a lot of people that resist the devil and he laughs. He doesn't leave. And I told the church this morning, if you're resisting and he's not leaving, it's not a faith problem. It's a submission problem. You will check your submission level and you will raise it. You should have no problem casting out devils, casting out thoughts, casting out imaginations, because the greater your sensitivity and submission to authority, the greater your authority is in the spirit world.
3: That's awesome.
0: This is so rich. This is so good. I I have to tell you, I can, I can do this all night long. (laughs) Yeah, I know we're up against the clock. I just want to, I just want to ask uh, Bishop Stone King, if you wouldn't mind just praying over us. I felt the Holy Ghost when these men were talking. And I know that God's got a special touch upon this generation. And I just ask that you would pray
1: over us. Would you just pray over us right now in Jesus' name? I'd be happy to pray over you. But I want to take advantage of this opportunity for myself also. I have a terrible struggle with my energy, no energy. I want you guys to pray for me. God will heal me of this no energy situation, this no energy situation. It takes a lot of energy to do what I do, and I just need energy and strength i get I was so bad off about a week and a half ago I couldn't walk across my kitchen floor. I didn't have the strength to get across the floor and so I knew something was really, really wrong, and I've had some things taken care of, and I've had some appointments and whatever whatever, but uh, I'm doing some better, but I still need energy i mean. Mo- Brother Barnes was ninety-two when he passed away. I'm only seventy-nine. Moses, the Bible says Moses, uh he lived. He 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 lived until one hundred twenty. He was one hundred twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. So he was a hundred and, and and all of that. So I've got a few years to go. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, Amen. I just want God That's to a, heal me. You know. I mean I just Amen. I have a Amen. burden Amen. see see I here's the deal with me I live for people like you I'm a brother Myers I live for guys like you and Josh and 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 Chris I live for you guys that's why I'm still here I w- I want to do all I can anything you can get from me take it and use it don't mention my name just take it and run with it that that's the thing there, there's since brother Barnes told me something and I'll, I'll quit with this but I, well, he called me one day after I got home from the hospital after being raised from the dead. And this is what he said. Brother Barnes was like a dad to me, and he told me things, and we talked. We had, I had a great relationship with him. Anyway, he said to me, he said, boy, I've never known of God to raise anybody from the dead to keep preaching the gospel. He said, but God has raised you from the dead to keep preaching the gospel, so keep preaching in all of its fullness. God's raised you from the dead to keep to free to preach the fivefold ministry, so preach it in His fullness. And then he said this, I said, have you ever noticed something? He said, the devil fought Jesus from the time he was born all the way through the crucifixion. But once Jesus was raised from the dead and had resurrection power, you will not find one place in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where the devil ever went near Jesus again. Yeah. He said, boy, you've got resurrection power you've got a hold of something that most men don't have a hold of. He said, but just remember, the devil still knows who you are, so be careful. It's amazing, because there are times when I feel that resurrection power go out of me to audiences or to people I'm praying for for healing. But if you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, you've got that resurrection power. Every apostolic believer has got resurrection power inside of them. So I want you to all wake up and use that resurrection power. When you've got the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, you've got resurrection power. I've got the thing physically, literally raised from the dead, but anyone with the Holy Ghost has got resurrection power. So let's just let's just tear up the whole world and just do it.
2: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Brother Herring, before Brother Stone King prays, would you mind just leading all of us by... Just praying that God would touch Brother Stone King and just give him strength. Jesus, Jesus,
4: Jesus, Jesus by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of, the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, I pray for virtue right now going inside of I pray for an angel, of the Lord, to sweep in the name of Jesus. I receive it in the name of Jesus. We curse this low energy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you speak strength into him right now. I pray you speak years back into him and give him divine help. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you had when you walked out of the tomb come inside his body right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth let strength come into his body I curse this fear of death and this worry in the Jesus name and I release strength right now in that room by the authority of your word and the power of your name in Jesus name let it be done in
1: in 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 jesus name god i pray in the name of jesus god i pray over this meeting today that the power of your spirit will reach out to every ear that has heard, that something will have happened in the hearts of those that have listened and participated in this today, that resurrection power will explode in them, that there will be an urge, an urgency rise, that they will begin to become bold, and they will go forth and demonstrate what is inside of them. These signs shall follow them that believe. I command in the name of Jesus that revival will explode among the younger people in our movement today and that we will shake this world in the name of Jesus. Help us, O God, I pray, to hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind the crackle of cloven tongues of fire. God release miracles, signs, and wonders as never before. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Jesus.
0: Wow. This has been so powerful, gentlemen. I can't thank you enough. I just feel like there's a lot of people that are, you know, you can feel the Holy Ghost. That's the thing through Zoom or Facebook or whatever you're watching, you can feel the presence of God and the Holy Ghost. And we're just praying and believing that uh, the anointing that these men have, Brother Stone King's prophetic ministry has impacted you. And I just want to encourage you, God loves you. God cares about you. He's yes. reaching for you, and if you want to be saved, God will move heaven and earth to save you. And whatever, yes. wherever you are, or whatever you're dealing with, He's got the solution. He's the answer. And so Amen. I thank you for joining us tonight on eChat. And I pray that God will continue to bless you. Don't forget tomorrow night, Brother Josh Herring is going to be preaching on baptism in the name of Jesus. And wherever you're at, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus. And on Tuesday night, brother Chris Green is going to be speaking about the Holy ghost. And you're going mm-hmm. to be, um, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be touched by the Lord. I just encourage you to tune in tomorrow night and Tuesday night, the same place at 7. PM. And I know God will bless you gentlemen. Thank you so much. We love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for being on eChat mm-hmm. tonight.